Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, downloading the podcast. Today, we are doing Penn State and Iowa. So how about this? I'm going to challenge specific Penn State and Iowa fans, all right? If you are listening to this, if you are a Penn State fan, find three buddies that you think would be interested to listen to a Penn State podcast. Challenge them to check it out. Now talking to you, Iowa li- listeners of this podcast, find yourself three buddies to listen to the podcast, right? That's it. It's it, it's like, remember Fight Club? He started handing out, you know, assignments. That's oh, sure, yeah. Remember, yeah. I mean, but it's not the part where the first rule of Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> no, we want you to talk about Fight Club. Completely opposite. Okay. Right. It's like Fight Club, but opposite. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we are in the downstairs athletic club, of course, where because it was pretty cold today, it is warm down here. Yeah. Because whatever the temperature is outside, it's the opposite, opposite. here. Yeah. And I dressed up just expecting it to be cold, and it's not. It's probably perfect down yeah, here. Yeah, it's actually well, f- especially really nice. for you. It's actually getting to be balmy down here now. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Probably, I can shut a vent. I, I'll probably peel a layer here at some point. I, ho- I hope so, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, cool. You got some housekeeping? couple housekeeping items here. I don't know if you remember, during our Rutgers preview, we're looking at their defensive line. We're saying, you know what? This isn't a bad line if they had Elorm Lumore back. I, I think the, the, at least the starting four is pretty solid. Well, guess what? Rutgers defensive end, Alorm Lemoore, has received a waiver to play this year. How the heck did that happen? He declared for the draft. He went undrafted, uh, did not get signed as a free agent, but he never got an opportunity to to test in front of teams because COVID hit. So he didn't have a pro day. He didn't invite to the combine. So there was like no contact with with the NFL at all. So they basically said, we're going to give you a waiver. He didn't even get a chance there. That's awesome. Isn't that, that great? That almost sounds like the NCAA doing Good by the athlete? Yeah. I, I, I Maybe. Do, is Mark Emmert still there? Is he still part <laughs> he of that organization? He, he can't be. He must be gone. Yeah, wow. No. So, I mean, well, as you're saying that, what I'm thinking of is like Rashad Bateman, you know, he declared and then... Signed with an agent. But then he must have... They figured out a way to cancel the agent and give the money back. I mean, I think you right. have to do something. We don't, we're not actually privy right. to how that went down, but that's pretty much probably how this went with him, I would think. I guess so. Like, yeah. I assume he had an agent. He must have if he's declaring, but they basically said, look, you never got a shot, so we feel like you should be able to come back. Wow, that's awesome. So, Rutgers, I, I'm serious. Yeah. Watch out for them this year. Can't, it's not a roll-your-helmet-out game this year, I don't think. Somewhere out there, Drew Ott shakes his head because basically the same thing happened to him. Uh, injury and then didn't get a chance. And, you know, now he's farming out in uh, Nebraska. But not that that's a bad thing to do, but, you know, not having a chance to go to the NFL is tough. But good for good for Mystery Lore. Well, NCAA is not known for their consistency. No, they are not. Speaking of, the NC2A, they voted to grant student-athletes a one-time penalty-free Transfer starting in 2021. Actually, I, sh- I I correct myself. They did not officially vote yet. This is a proposal, but it's assumed that this will pass when they do vote in January. Thoughts? <sighs> well, I mean, it's just uh, here. Here's the big problem I have with this. You put so much effort into recruiting a kid, then you get him on campus, and then you you sculpt his body, 
You, you pay for his scholarship out of the athletic department to the school. You give him all these other, you know, benefits. You, you give him cash in his pocket. And then he can just say, you know what? Uh, your, your rival really needs me this year. I'm going to play right away. So I'm going to go over yeah. across, you know, across the state. And I'm going to try to beat you Stuff. this year. So yeah. thanks for everything you've done for me. Up so yours. There's, there's that. And just the overall <laughs> roster management situation. Yeah. These coaches, like I jokingly said to you, they're going to have to hire like the NFL teams, like literally like the, the guy that looks over his job is to look over the roster and the cap space. Obviously there's no cap space here, but it's the cap space in this thing would be scholarship space because you know, if you're thinking you're going to lose three, you know, like you're like, these three guys are probably gone. And then there's a surprise four. well, right now we've got enough people in our class. So it would be interesting to know how coaches really down to the detail manage that. Well, and you know, you're capped at 25 in a class, right? So what if you start losing, but not, but not transfers? So well, that's true, not transfers. But what if you start losing guys and you can't even recruit enough to keep up with the eighty-five limit scholarship? Correct. You know, I mean, or, got- or or even like, okay, we've only got twenty-three spots. We signed twenty-three guys, and then after the fact, after the second signing period, two or three guys leave. What do you do now? It's got to be a headache. And then you know, I think it's very easy to theoretically think a team would be sitting there with eighty-three scholarship people. And maybe there's a couple walk-ons like, hey, bro, scratch me off a couple of those scholarships here. Right. You know? Well, they might have their eyes on JUCO, a bigger class, you sure. know, if they only had 23 in the last class or they want a Mac. That's, that is the stuff where, oh, man, that's interesting to me. And <sighs> and a headache for the coaches. I guess. It's a headache for the coaches. I'm sure the coaches hate it. Yeah. But it's just, you know, part of our no accountability society. <laughs> just chiming in. All right. Um. So I've got couple points here. I've, th- I've thought about calling it like around the Twitter sphere. So I'm just, you know, things that I feel like have, I've seen around Twitter. Okay. Because um, to be honest with you, I don't watch a lot of college football shows anymore. I don't either. Because the, the Big Ten Network has basically been turned off. If I see Nicole Arbach on there, I'm going to, or, or 40, I'm going to change the channel so fast I might bust my thumb. Exactly. Um, and then obviously ESPN for, you know, reasons that we don't even have to talk about at this point. So, so most of this stuff is just coming from Twitter things, you know, that I kind of get forwarded to me, but I mean, right now the, the breakneck speed of which sec fans have changed their tune on how the teams look like on their TV screen it's really incredible. And what we're getting at is for years, myself included, I'm sure you have too. We have roasted the big 12 for their defense, or we should say lack of defense. Sure. Um, and now what we're seeing is epic proportions of horrible defense that is coming out of the sec. Well, it's now bad. it's just, it's just high offensive. Right. We, we, yeah. We've kind of transitioned to an offensive conference is what's happened here. Now I will say, if you look at the stats from the top quarterbacks in the SEC, like th- th- your eyes pop out, but then you realize, yeah, but I mean, these it's that, all these coming, defenses it's have all come against SEC defenses. I know these they defense- have nowhere to hide Correct. with that. It's not like a lot of this stuff has happened against subpar competition. It's all no. SEC teams. Correct. They're not padding the stats with non-conference fellows. No, and it's not. And and Vanderbilt doesn't give up all of these yards. You know, <laughs> no, you, they they can only play once a week. That's right. Um. So the and I don't know if you saw this stat. Okay. This is this is a game changer to me. Okay. okay. Alabama, Ole Miss. All right. Now, Ole Miss is you know. 
it's already an offensive ball club. They're okay. all offense, no defense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kiffin, who, I mean, dude, David how much Kiff. How much does that guy look like Ben Roethlisberger? It's absolutely insane. He does kind of, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh. Especially he's, he's getting that, he's that getting chubby face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, so he's already, it already looks like a Kiffin team already. I mean, they're, they're putting up points like crazy. They're not playing any defense. So against Alabama, it was, I think, 58 to 42. I might be a little bit off yeah. on that, but it something was something like that. Yeah. score like that. So... Um, Ole Miss allowed 723 yards of total offense out of Alabama. Now, Alabama's a, a juggernaut. Okay, I understand that, but that's 723 yards. So 417 yards rushing, 306 yards passing. Oh, this is the stat that has been going around that I think is incredible. Okay. They only prevented 41 yards of offense. So what does that mean? Yeah, what do you what do you mean by okay. that? Let's say Alabama starts their drive at the 25-yard line. They're on 25-yard line. How many available yards do they oh, have? Oh, okay. So they have 75 yards to go. They only prevented 41 yards. They caused a fumble and oh. one punt the entire game. So I was talking about this with my brother. Side note, uh, I am Jeffrey the Greek. Who is my older brother? Doug the Car- Carthaginian. <laughs> so we actually have a, a nickname request. My brother would like to be Darren the American. Okay. He, yeah. just, he wants to. We can do that. He All wants right. to differentiate between. He me doesn't and, want me to be Mediterranean. Old... <laughs> he wants to be North American. Gotcha. He wanted to like, you know, play at the flag. Doesn't, okay. Doesn't want to be an ancient culture. <laughs> wants to be a contemporary culture. All right. So anyways, um, Darren the American and I were talking about, and we just thought this is. This is the stat. This is incredible. Like, because think about it. Let's say your defense gives up 300 yards in a game. Okay, that's good, right? Um, but what happens if the offense that you went against only had the ball four or five times? It would actually be horrible. It would mean sure. they basically maxed out the yards that right. that offense could get every time they had the ball. I just think this is an incredible stat. Like, Yeah, I you- wonder if... I, like, how far do you have to go back to find a worse defensive performance there? Who who knows? Because uh, the one that sticks out as an Illinois fan was two years ago against Maryland when it was just track meet, just running up and down the field, and they gave up a, a, a 700-ish maybe, yards. Or maybe last year, Penn State versus Maryland to bring Penn State okay. into the— I mean, it felt like Penn State, you know, pretty much scored every time But, I mean, even to. in that game, I, I'm—, I'm confident that Illinois stopped Maryland at least right. a couple times. Exactly. That's the whole point. Like Ole Miss never stopped. That's impressive. I mean, it's when, really hard to do really. But anyways, I just think it would be incredible if you, I mean, to me, the stat would be this, you know, yards, potential yards allowed along with turnovers, you know, and maybe, I don't know. You could probably stop right there with two forced turnovers and and then, I mean, I guess points per game is always the number one thing, but I don't know. That, to me, would be your total defense. And I'd like to go back and look at the series where they forced the punt. Was it like a dropped pass? Did not see. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Was it more of a self-inflicted error on Alabama or something like that? Yeah. Anyways, that was credible to me. That's pretty amazing in both directions, I guess. Um, All right. Uh, Staying in the SEC. So Nick Saban has the Rona, and... You know, as I pointed out, the, the the talk doesn't seem to be, you know, is Nick Saban going to pull through, even though he's 68 years old? It's just more about 
how, you know, how'd he get it? Uh, is he going to be able to coach this weekend? That's it. That's the only actual conversation behind it. Not the health, just the optics of it. Well, are you concerned about his health? I, I mean, he's I a healthy-looking guy. Healthy looking he's not dude. overweight. He's, he's obviously got unlimited funds and uh, and access to medical, you know, advice. So. I don't know if he has pre-existing conditions. Right. I mean, he seems like a guy that would have hypertension, but <laughs> other than that, I I think he'll be fine. Um, but anyways, half the reason I brought that up is to just bring up one tweet. It might be my favorite tweet of the year, at least just college football related. Um. I followed him. He followed back, so that was cool. Jim at Sports so Sports Gym Show. Say that again. Jim at Sports Gym Show. He looks to be a Michigan fan. So his tweet he put out is, Nick Saban will beat COVID, and the rest of the SEC will take credit. <laughs> yeah. I saw that. I did see that. That was pretty good. Uh, I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, a couple more, uh, you know, around the Twitter sphere. This is this is getting into, you know, deep cut stuff. Um Interesting, the Nebraska quarterback situation, since we already broke down Nebraska, yeah. um, we had essentially made the assumption that Adrian Martinez would be the starting quarterback right. going into the year. It seems that Adrian Martinez and Luke McCaffrey are in a quarterback battle right now. So if you are – well, go, go ahead. Well, I've heard the chatter. Um, I think it's going to be Adrian Martinez. Okay, that's, that's, your, that's your take on it. I mean, I think it's – we, we saw Scott Frost last year kind of, you know, lighting a fire under Adrian's ass. And I think that's what's happening. So that's your take. It's it's yeah. it's ass lighting talk. I'm, I'm not saying that Luke McCaffrey can't potentially beat him out. He's a very talented kid. I just don't think it's going to happen. OK, I mean, I would say one of my least favorite things to be involved with my favorite t- football team, whatever it is, is a quarterback controversy. I want to know who the guy is. Now I'm I know you I now you need competition so I totally get if I think that's, that's what, what he's doing. Okay. All right. He's trying to create competition. Glasses half empty. Adrian Martinez doesn't look good and the young kid is actually beating him out. Glass half full in the COVID times. They've got two solid quarterbacks. Correct. And I I can say this. If Adrian Martinez starts playing the first couple games and looks like he did last year as opposed to his freshman year, I could see them yanking him okay. and going with McCaffrey. Interesting to see. I'm not trying to. I'm getting this from Nebraska fans. I'm not, you know, pulling this out of thin air. It's just going to be something that's going to be interesting to see. I would, I mean, 100% if I put money down, Adrian Martinez walks out with the offense for the first snap. Is it a situation where if he looks good, he keeps playing? If he don't, he pulls. He gets pulled. I wonder if they do rotating quarterbacks. Don't like that either. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, nobody, so nobody, just the nobody likes that, do they? No, nobody likes I mean, it. The quarterbacks hate it the most. Yes. That's got to be a sign right there. Yes. When both of your quarterbacks hate it, it's got to be a sign to me. So this is even maybe deeper cut. This is with the Michigan Wolverines, another team we've already broke down another podcast. So on the roster that got released today, cornerback Ambry Thomas, who we already knew opted out, was not listed on the okay. roster. Okay. But somebody that was still listed on the roster is wide receiver Nico. Collins. Yeah, I kind of so, heard some chatter about that too. It's it doesn't seem to be dead that Nico Collins okay. could make a surprise return. Um, at first, I really thought this is a fan base, and we all do it. I'm not I'm not necessarily trying to harp on Michigan fans, but 
trying to believe something that's not really there. Oh, but sure. But if he's still on the roster. Uh, you can't count him out. Right? Absolutely. At this point. Sure. So, and I think that would be huge for Michigan. I oh, mean, that would talked, be huge. I mean, it was the last podcast or one of the last podcasts we broke down where we said if they had Nico, it would be a big boost to the yes. offense. So something to look out for. Although right I've there. been told by a Michigan fan that Santa's drill is, is really looking good. Looking good. Yes. I mean, we said in the podcast, it's Michigan. They're not going to just have one receiver. Somebody's going to yep. be talented enough <clears throat> to step up. But all right. So something to look out for there. All right. So this is a two-team podcast. Penn State and Iowa will start out with Penn State. That's for you, Perk. You're my man. Yeah, I know you've been patient, so we're going to even put Penn State first in the pod. Last five years out of Penn State, total record 49 in 17. That's a high of 11-2 and two just last year, a low of 7-6, and six, but that's way back in 2015. So one more year of what probably would be you know, a good year. And that, that second year, I think it was of James Franklin will be in the, uh, rear view mirror. Uh, speaking of James Franklin seventh year at Penn state, that's kind of gone fast. Hasn't a little bit. It has, but I'm, I'm remembering back to that second year now when I was like, I don't think this is working out. Remember that there was yeah. a time. It's just like, yeah. it wasn't clicking. And, and it then, was literally like three games into the second year. People were like, ah, that's it. Time right. to, time to move. But Maybe then sometimes patience right, pays right. off a little yeah. bit. But the, yes, the seven has gone fast. Yes, it has gone fast. And things typically go fast the better they are, I think. Correct. So when you're having probably... fun, having a good time. <laughs> um, and then new offensive coordinator, Kirk Shiraka, who we know in the Big Ten really well. So before we get into some stuff, just a little bit side debate talk, however you want to say it. Is Penn State, as far as how they're viewed nationally, is this one of the most disrespected teams in the Big Ten? Oh, boy, disrespected. Well, I they're not – I don't think the country looks at them as a true blue blood, okay. right? Do but you think so? I do, yes. You think the country looks at them? No, I look at them yeah, I do as too. a blue blood. I agree not enough of the country <laughs> views them as a blue blood. Which is weird because if you go all the way back to the Paterno years, like I'm talking like 70s, 80s, even when they were winning national championships, they were kind of like, eh, but it's just Penn State. They're you out think? there in the middle. Okay. Yes. That's not how I remembered Penn no, State. No, that's exactly that. Like remember they um, in 86, they beat Miami. And like, yeah, but Miami was better. Eh, they're not uh, really the champion. Okay. Because Miami was the I juggernaut. I do not remember back then. 1986. So I, I do I, remember watching that game. Okay. Now, I don't remember the 82. Right. But they kind of always seemed like that team that they'd be undefeated and could never get up to number one. Here's what I remember I, rem- I, 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 was, I remember Penn State joining the Big Ten and me thinking, holy bleep, Penn State is in the Big Ten. That's and I was. Scared spitless that they were just going to run right through the conference. And they did well at the beginning. Yeah, they started off pretty hot there. Yeah. And then, you know, they, I mean, whatever. It's been an amazing program pretty much the whole time. Don't get me wrong. But so I don't know. I mean, maybe we're kind of talking through what's going on out there. So for me, making some comparison. So Georgia, okay, in the last five years as well, I looked it up. So 53 and 14. So okay, and what is what's Penn State? Uh, forty nine and seventeen. Okay, so we're we're pretty darn yeah, getting, close, getting there. pretty close. There. Okay, um, Wisconsin at the same time, fifty two and sixteen. Okay, so I guess my point I'm trying to make is, you know, we we 
the best team in the conference is Ohio State. We just sure. can't, we can't debate that. There could be a little bit of debate between the second and third team in the Big Ten between Penn State and Wisconsin. I mean, they're very comparable. I would give the nod to Penn State. I would too. Okay. I mean, it. You could even make it a a two A and two B thing to a certain degree, whatever that means. I still mean second and third. But my point I'm trying to make is very very comparable. Penn State. You know, obviously, obviously has to play Ohio State every single year, so that makes it tougher to win their own division. Of course. Um, I mean, I think there's reasons why the West is tough as well. So, anyways, that would be the not. My point I'm trying to make is I just have this sneaking suspicion in some weird world, Georgia and Penn State were flip flopped, and one was in the SEC and the other is in the Big Ten. Penn State would be lauded as this amazing national title contender. When, but when you look at Georgia, they have not gotten over the hump. No, no, they, they just And can't. I'm not saying they've not gotten close. They've gotten close, but they've not gotten over the hump. How are they getting the, you know, I don't know. That's, that's well, I mean, brother. you know, what it was, it seems like yesterday it was 1982 when they won the national championship. <laughs> All right. So, or was it, wait, when did they, no, 80, yeah, no, because Penn State won 82. 80. Okay. Like 81. 81. 81. Yeah. Yeah. Herschel's. It's been Freshman a while. Year. It's been 81. A while. Yeah, it's been a while. All right, so we will we'll go ahead and start on the offense. I'm going to go ahead and say they have nine returning starters on offense. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a little bit higher than what you know the magazine has here. So last year, decent numbers here. Uh, uh, ranked 57th in total offense at just short of 412 yards a game. A little bit better, quite a bit better on scoring offense, all the way up to. 15th at almost 36 points per game. That's that's putting some points on the board right there. Um, so if I'm looking at last year's offense, I think it kind of applies back to 2020's offense. And this would be my, my first quick thought. Overall, really good. Just needs to be better throwing the ball. Yeah, not great throwing the ball. Although, uh, Sean Clifford was fourth in the conference and. In total yards. So I think Sean Clifford is almost a microcosm of Penn State because we just talked about, you know, maybe a lack of of respect that they get nationally. Sean Clifford is good. This is a good quarterback. He's good. Okay. You, you just said it in, well, your, vo- in your voice no, tone right there. Yeah. So I like Sean Clifford, but I don't love Sean Clifford. I want to love Sean Clifford. Make me love you, Sean. I think that's where I'm at, too. So – I'm going to talk out of two sides of my mouth and say that I think Sean Clifford deserves more respect than he gets nationally. With that being said, if this is going to be an elite offense, and then if, it, by the way, if this is an elite offense, this is an officially an elite team yes. because I, the defense is going to be good. So, th- I, you know, obviously it always comes down to the quarterback in some situation. You could make the plausible argument that of any team in the Big Ten, that's got unknowns. Okay. It, it, it boils down to what Sean Clifford does than perhaps any other team. You think he's the biggest key for any team. As far as a singular player that's quarterback for the team, Sean Clifford, because I feel like the weapons are around him. 
if Sean Yeah, Cl- but hold on. Okay. We got to well, talk. That's where, that's where we start talking. Yeah, we got to talk about wide receivers. Here. Okay. Because All right. I think that's part of the problem. And and here's something you can probably hang on Sean Clifford a little bit, but you gotta you gotta blame the offensive line a little bit too. Sacks per attempt. They were 103rd in the country. Gave up way, way too many sacks. Correct. That's crazy. That's but bad. I think that is a combination of a lot of things. The okay. offensive line, the quarterback, and the wide receivers maybe not getting separation. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, they've got so maybe so I'm much. putting too much on maybe, but they have so much talent at the wide receiver position, they do. and it's just like year after year after year, you expect it to start shining through, and it hasn't yet. This year, they're on their fourth consecutive new wide receiver coach. Okay. Is this the thing that's going to cure everything? So, I, I mean, I don't disagree with anything you said. I I think even the most you know loyal Penn State fan would admit the wide receivers haven't looked as good as you'd expect them to comparable to their recruiting rank and, you know, talent level that they have. With that being said, Jahan Dotson's a good wide receiver. He is. Uh, I, I, but after that, they don't really have a true proven number two, but they do have Pat Fryer. Okay. And that's what I was just going to say. Are we boiling this down too much? Because I tell you what, if you, if Jahan Dotson just is Jahan Dotson, and then Mm -hmm. you have Pat Fryer that's a pretty that's good, good one-two punch it is good right point. there. It's not like you have to have five receivers in order to have an amazing, you know, offense and passing attack. Sure. And then, you know, we'll get more into the running backs, but I really do think Journey Brown has the ability to catch the ball more. It's been rumored that they are going to throw the ball more to the running backs this year. So we've got one, two, three receivers okay. right there. Outside of that, they just need a third fourth you know option um keandre lambert and parker washington yep are they're there i mean these, these guys didn't get onto penn state's campus just by you know happenstance. these are good talented wide receivers give me something guys you get a little bit right. out of those guys all of a sudden you can see this offense popping or i mean sophomore daniel george who's who's a big presence you look out you look at him you're like whoa this guy he, he's a specimen I'd like to see him take a step, him or Cam Sullivan Brown. But there's there's so many guys out there to, that could possibly make a step. You just get one guy to make a big leap there, and you can and see huge. And if you huge. get two, all of a sudden right. you've got targets for days. So something else you talked about is the offensive line. This will be mm-hmm. what I will be- believe to be the most improved unit on the entire team. I could see that. I mean, they've because- they have they've got talent. We are we are. You could say that this is five returning starters. On right, this because you got C.J. Thorpe at right guard, who's not technically a returning starter but at guard, played but he played a, a lot last yep. year. Everybody else is coming back, and this is also an offensive line that was a little shaky early in the year, but kind of we're starting to hit their groove in the end of the season. I agree. Um, in an extremely deep class of centers in the Big Ten this year, Michael Manet might be – He's one of the best. I'm not going to okay. say the best, one of the best. Left tackle Rasheed Walker, definitely going to be on an NFL roster. There's two or three offensive linemen. They're going to be on the NFL roster at some point. If that's the case, the new offensive line coach, Phil Trotwine, has pieces to work with. The Their ability to open up holes in the running game, already set. That's already been set in stone, I think, definitely last year, if not the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. Pass protection, which you already hit on. Right. We have got to limit the sacks. I would think pass pro would be the first thing that Phil Trotwine would try to fix and look at. You don't even have to be leaps and bounds better. Just be 
just go from the hundredth, you know, three three digits to the right. mid, you know, uh, double digits, and that would make a gigantic difference for for Clifford in the offense. Absolutely. Okay, so you said Phil Troutwine. This is his first year. Is that right? Correct. Taylor Stubblefield. Yeah. It's his or uh, the uh, wide receiver. Is that his name though? It's uh, Taylor. Not off the top of my head, I don't know. But you know, and then you tie it together with Kirk Shiraka, and guess what we got? We got a lot of new faces. So that was offense. that was the point I was gonna make. Is new offensive coordinator, new offensive line coach, new wide receivers coach? Yikes. But that's a lot to deal with there. Does Kirk I tell you what, I got faith in Kirk Shiraka. Oh, I His do too. Ability to blend things together and to I would think simplify things for Clifford. Well, so because it, it, it just seemed like you know last year with Minnesota and they did it well. It was it was a very one, simple. It was a simple it's offense. Very simple, and it worked. So, but do you think that's what we'll see? That's what I think we'll see. But it, I don't think it can look exactly like Minnesota. Why? No, because it can't. Because you got to use the tight ends, and because Minnesota was just well, and you can't. They were so heavy in wide receivers. That's a good point. So, but also. Clifford is used to running the ball a handful of times a game, which Soraka did not do with his quarterback. Yeah, with Morgan last year. So I think you got to take but now, advantage. But now of that him. brings a weapon into the offense that yeah. he didn't have to work with. True. I, so, yeah, I guess that's true. That is something that is very. I mean, you bring up awesome point with the the new coaches in there. My overall thought process is this is on Soraka. I have faith that he's going to be able to figure it out. Get used to seeing slants. Yes, lots of slants, and then. Another thing to learn on to lean on if you are a uh, you know new in your role offensive coordinator. Hey, how about have a stable of running backs? To I can't use... believe we haven't even mentioned <laughs> well, the I stable mean... of running back. I mean, you mentioned a little <laughs> bit, but my God, the, I mean. But it, so to give another Minnesota comparison, Glenn Mason, I love this. He would always say you have to have a pair and a spare. A pair and a spare. They got that. They got a pair and a spare. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they they got Journey Brown. They got Noah Kane and Devin Ford. I mean. Can you think of a deeper three running backs? Probably not in the Big Ten, even the country. In the country, no. I I think this is the best running back room in Pro- the country. And by the way, is. you you might have left out the most talented running back in the whole room. Kaziah ah, Holmes is good point. Apparently, and by the way, he's wearing number twenty six, aka you mm. know shades of Sha- Saquon Barkley. Anyways, he he's he's turning heads in camp. Now, I want to go back to Journey Brown. Journey Brown is a stud. I mean, he's an absolute stud. Now, we have heard deep cuts. There's there's rumors. There's There is chatter. There's chatter that there's some sort of health concerns. Hope that's not the case for Penn State fans. But if it is, does it really does it really affect him I, I that do, much? I do think it does because of just how established Journey Brown was last year. I mean, he definitely separated himself from the he rest did. of the running back room. He did. Yeah. And that's no that's no slight to to Noah Kane, but I thought it became apparent, at least in the ability to to break away big plays. Yeah, he 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 stood out I among think so. the rest. Yep. But last year the the um, stats between those two: two hundred and twelve uh, carries, thirteen hundred and thirty three yards, six point three yard average between the two of them. That was what I was okay. most interested to break those stats down. You, you're getting over six yards a carry with your top two wide running backs. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's like, that's like Army Navy stats. Yeah, good. I mean, that's incredible. So, yeah. Um, anyways, a lot here, but it's pieces kind of hanging out. This is going to be interesting to see how this all comes together. Yeah, for Fair sure. Enough. All right, switching over 
to the defense. This is typically, you know, what you think about when you're thinking about the Penn State Nittany Lions. Good last year. Not fantastic, but 34th in total defense at 346.5 yards per game. Eighth in the country in scoring defense. So something kind of similar to the offense. Yeah, they're getting a lot of value there, right? They are getting a lot of value because in the end, how many points are on the board seems to be the most you know, important thing. That's impressive that they did that on offense yeah. and defense. So it's got to be something red zone, you know, way efficient in the red zone. Sure. Um, and now here's the thing. So what I said about the offense, overall really good, just needs to be better throwing the ball. Yeah. For the defense, overall really good, needs to be better defending well maybe it's because the in practice game. the defense is not going against a good passing game maybe there's you know i always kind of have a stink eye with that a little bit I don't like know, I just right no but there's gotta there be a smart ass there could be something to it i mean uh so like we, we we gave the stats i mean their rushing defense last year fifth in the country right their passing defense is a hundredth oh, okay that is, i mean but hold on if you went all through the nca stats right <laughs> yeah and you found a bigger gap between total Rushing defense and passing defense, which way, you know, you could go in opposite direction, 95, you know, spots apart, you'd be hard, hard to find anything bigger than that. That's incredible. Yeah, it's to it have is. that good of a rushing defense. Okay, a couple things. Well, I, I, I was I just found it here in pick six previews because I was pretty sure. But but I confirmed the worst decline from 2018 to 2019 of any passing defense in the country was Penn was State. Penn State. Okay. But is the reason they were giving up so many passings, I know there was some breakdowns. I mean, the Minnesota game is the one that sticks out, of course. But is it because teams just gave up running the ball? We can't we, run the ball. And we talked about that quite yeah. a bit last year. Yeah. So I don't think we are Penn State apologists when we say that. I think that's a very viable yeah. explanation of how it went. They just but said, screw it. at the same time, teams were finding holes back there. And a couple teams dinged them and beat them because right. of that. Yeah. So no, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm glad you brought that up because I do think that's a big thing. So uh, one thing that would always help out a secondary is a very good pass rush. Two defensive ends in Shaka Tony and Jason Oway are, I mean, these guys are elite. Um, th these are fantastic uh, defensive ends. And um, I mean, we've got depth behind it too. Yeah. Hearing um, good things with, about Adisa Isaac. There you go. You, you just beat me to the yeah. name. So I don't think there's any doubt that Isaac is no offense to the other two we just named. I think he's the most talented oh, person on really? the defensive line. No yes. kidding. Yeah, he's young, but yes, he's right there. So well, and then I think they got they're pretty deep at tackle. Their their first their top three tackles I think are fantastic. All three of them. Now lo they lose uh, Micah Parsons, of course. But this is so line switching to linebacker. This is linebacker. You. This is right? linebacker. You. Now this I was. Maybe a little surprised when I broke down Penn State. There, there's going to be a little bit of greenness in the linebackers. Well, okay, you got Brandon Smith, who's yep. slated to be a starter. Yep. He's a five-star recruit. So you got to expect yep. that he can at least, you know, maybe it'll be a little rough at first learning what to do, but he'll be able to make up for some mistakes with athleticism. Ellis Brooks is solid. And then Jesse Lucada is back up at two positions, and he's the one that's going to be sliding in and take Micah's place. It, it you know, not – Obviously green. You said green, but I, especially with that defensive a, line in front of them, it's a dark green. They're gonna be yeah, it's a very dark green, and it's Penn State. I so. think they're gonna be fine. Part of the, I think the reason we were coming to this conclusion 
is because of the uniform that they have on. We well, just, yes. I mean, but you can't ignore it. it, right? Well, and, 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 and credit to Brent Pride because the defense always looks good. Correct. And the front seven always looks good. Yeah. So I just trust it's going to look good again. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, switching to um, the secondary. So, you know, obviously we've we've talked about, um, um, you know, some issues in the secondary. I think you got a pretty solid cornerback in Tariq Castro-Fields. I think I'm going to call him TCF. The rest of yeah, the year, I like he that comes up. Okay, so TCF the bank. Let's yeah, call him the bank. the bank. We could call him the bank. Um, now, Marquise Wilson, he was a true freshman last yeah. year. Definitely came on at the end of the of the year. We've got some good one good safety for sure in Lamont Wade. I mean, he could have gone pro last year. He could have, but like, I think he made the right call coming back too. Well, is that fair? He, yeah, because there were times he was getting burned last year. It just it seemed like he was turned around. Yes, he would get turned around. That's exactly what happened. It, it wasn't like he didn't have the athletic ability to make the play. Right. He just wasn't in the position to make the play. He needs a more little more seasoning. Uh, and I think you, and so as far as the safeties, I think a lot of times we're looking at uh, Jonathan Sutherland as the other safety, but a name to look out for is Jaquan Brisker. He came on last year. He's still looking good so far this summer into the fall. So long story short. This is interesting to the defense for me because with with um, uh, Micah Parsons gone, to a certain degree, this kind of turns into a no-name defense. Yeah, a little bit. But the the depth of this defense right. is and- off the charts. Like, we could just keep going for days with six or seven more names of recruits. Well, I'll give you a couple more. Off- okay, go ahead. Lance Dixon at linebacker, five-star. Curtis Jacobs at linebacker, five-star. It's like, okay, let's say one of these guys isn't playing well. You insert one of the best recruits in the entire country. That's that's what I'm getting at here. So, But, okay, let me ask you this about the Brent Pry defense. So we know, we know they got burned at times through the air, but we know they can also get after the quarterback. So that's kind of strange that it that is. happens. It is. He's got a little bit of Donnie B in him, Don Brown. Okay. He, he likes to gamble, right? Okay. He's, yep. he's the gambler. Yep. So maybe just a tweak, just dial it back a little bit and let your we guys just, make plays. We maybe. just need a tweak. I don't know. Maybe. Yep. Yep. That's a, it's a, it's a very good point, but it's just, that's kind of my you personal. You talk to any coach, they will tell you that tweaks have to happen yeah. all the time. If they coach for 40 years, they're going to tweak something all 40 of those 40 years. Right. So, but I'm also, who, who are we to, 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 to dictate to Brent Pry? But it, I yeah. do believe what hey, you're saying. Hey Brent, just do whatever the hell you want. I mean, don't listen to me. But I'm I also lean towards more of a bend don't break as opposed to aggressive defensive style. I kind of um, like the bend don't break. Yeah, and, and until you take the bending too far, at some point you gotta well, yeah, get you gotta get your defense off the field by dialing up a blitz here and there. Yeah, you can't bend in half. Right. You know, just like Illinois has bend. done quite a few times over the years. It's just got to be a little bend, little bend. All right, buddy. Special, special teams. I don't want to skip oh, over. Hey, right. I know, I know. I made, I, made, I made a mental note to not to not do that. Okay, so technically they got one returning kicker, Jake Pinnegar. But Jordan Stout also kicked a little bit last year, but it looks like he's sliding into the punter slot. So yep. one and a half returning starters, let's call it. Okay, all right. It's a solid kicking game. Yes, it is. Solid kicking game. Solid return game, too. So now we go to the schedule. So, like I said, we typically go, you know, in four-game slits with the schedule. So, pretty interesting first four games here, okay? I mean, starting out with Indiana, that's a test right there. That is a test. Now, Penn State has pretty much owned Indiana. It's it's similar to, you know, Indiana-Michigan. And Indiana can't get over the hump. Penn State is obviously on the other side of the successful hump. 
So would it be surprising surprising for me for Indiana beat Penn State? Yes, it would definitely be surprising to me. But is it scary? Okay, so let okay let. All right, go, can you go well, back. you know what? Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Is well, that your, is that I, your scariest game? No, not yet. Okay, all right. I, keep talking. Okay. I want you to keep going. Point I'm trying to make is that's the first game of the year. You got to get you got to get you got to you got to screw your your helmet on tight for that game, right? And then the second game of the year is Ohio well, State. That's why it's I even mean, more I scary. Like, I, I feel like if I was a Penn State fan, I'd be a little bit annoyed on how they set the, the schedule sure. up. Sure. With that, I mean, because I mean, they already right out of the gate they got a trap game. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So so I Indiana is definitely one of my scary games. It, they definitely have all the signs. Third game of the year is Maryland. That's not scary. <laughs> the, the rivalry. Yes, the rivalry. <laughs> Quote, unquote. Jesus, Maryland. At least get in their way this year. Compared to, <laughs> just make them trip over you a little bit. Um, and then you got Nebraska for the fourth game. Again, a game that you would think they would be pretty heavily favored yeah. in. Even if they went into the um, Nebraska game at, at two and one, you know, it's a game you would think they would be at. Then the second half, now you got two tough games kind of back-to-back, right? Iowa at home at Michigan, okay? Mm -hmm. So it's just, for me, it's like a bunchy schedule because then in the end, you wind up with Rutgers, Michigan State. So it's it's a good point. It's it's, it's got bunches. And I don't want to call Michigan State a throwaway game, but we we think it's going to be a down year for them. We haven't done their preview yet. But, yeah, you've got a bunch of tough games, and then you kind of finish it off light. Yeah. But, you know, I still can't. I, I don't think I'm going to change my mind. Ed Indiana is a scary one. For so me. that is the scariest yeah. game. Okay. Yeah. Um, probably going to sound like I'm, I'm crazy after what, how I just broke down the schedule. But yep. I do think Nebraska is the scary game I was thinking for them. About because if they lose to Ohio State, they kind of maybe sleepwalk through Maryland and only beat them, you know, 38 to 14. <laughs> then sure. you, could, you could see them, you know, just kind of stumbling around versus Nebraska. It's a long um, way to travel. Yep, got to go on the road. So um, I'm not, you know, they play Iowa next week, and I'm not saying that's like a look-ahead game for them by any means, but it's just kind of a, it just seems like it could be a, a stumbling yeah. through. The, and if, let's say, they beat Ohio State, is it a situation yeah. where they're, they're too high and then they stumble there. Yeah, so. because then if you're at two and two, things could start unraveling with Iowa and Michigan next. So there's there's okay. it's an I, interesting I, schedule. I, I I'm not gonna disagree with that. I'm still going with Indiana. No, I think they're both they're both right answers if that's possible. Biggest game of the year for me is Ohio State. I yeah. just I don't know what else yeah. you can look at. These are the two best teams Correct. in the the conference. I, I mean, when I saw the schedule come out and I saw that they put Ohio State and Penn State the second week yeah, of the year that kind of stinks because you know I mean obviously Ohio State is going to play and Michigan are going to play last game of the year last week of the year I don't know like wouldn't just the third or fourth game yeah. of the year be better for the Big Ten to put this it'd in be, I just I, I, it was it was an interesting schedule situation to me yeah it'd be more exciting for the fans certainly if it was a couple games later yeah even just one would yeah make a big difference to yeah. me yeah if they went. Indiana, Maryland, Ohio State, as opposed to Indiana, Ohio State, Maryland. To me, that would be that would have been a much better. I would I would yeah. think so. So uh their over under is seven point five. That is the second highest in the entire conference. So that's out of nine. That is out of nine. So essentially what they think is seven and two or eight and one. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's right where it needs to be. It's it's a very it's a very good number. Yeah. Um I don't essentially even know. what they're saying is 
They're gonna lose to Ohio State. Yep. And and out of all and the will, other eight games, will they or will they not stumble again? That's it. That's what they're asking. That's exactly what that means. Yep. I feel like I could have said that over under for for Penn State. So, all right, that breaks down the Penn State Nittany Lions. All right, next team up. Who do we got here? Oh, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Last five years, forty-seven and nineteen. Last five years, Penn State, forty-nine and seventeen. Hmm. Close. Worth mentioning, I think. Yeah, worth mentioning. I mean, okay. yeah, think about that. These are kind of mirrored programs a little bit, east and west. Penn State definitely gets the nod because the head-to-head, which, by the way, have been very close games, but Penn State has gotten the Hawks in those games. Sure. You just flip one or just, two yeah, of those sure. games. Kind of incredible. Um, high 12-2 and two in 2015. So Penn State, they have one of their lowest years about ready to drop off. Iowa has one of their highest years that is about to drop off from five years ago. Their low is eight and five, which they did twice in both 2016 and 17. Their high or last year, they went 10 and three head coach is Kirk Ferentz in his 22nd year. <laughs> I almost said 72nd year just a minute ago. And uh, anyways, it probably seems like that to a lot of sometimes it does. <laughs> Phil Parker, it is ninth year as a defensive coordinator, but he's been on the staff from the get-go, there was a different All Parker. 72 years, right? Yes, he's been there the entire time. Brian Ferentz in his fourth year as the offensive coordinator. So I guess we got to start somewhere. We're going to go ahead and start on the offense. Nine returning starters from offense last year. What were the stats last year? 99th in total offense at 367 yards per game. Scoring offense, 88th at 25 points eight yards per game or points per game excuse me not fantastic stats for the offense Bob. no you know and I just can't get over I think I mentioned the same thing last year just how this this offense cannot move the ball effectively on the ground it's it's really because what's really crazy is strange. last year the passing offense was 68th in the country pretty okay. respectable the rushing offense was 97th so and I'm going to throw out some stats from our boy Brett Ciancia at yeah. Pick 6 Previews. This is in his preview magazine. Since 2010, I'm sorry, since 2010, top 50 rushing offenses for Iowa. How many do you think you have? One. Zero. Zero. I thought it was one. Average yards per carry rank out of 130. It's bad. 80. Yeah. Average yards per, per carry. I'm sorry, r- yards per game. R- rushing yards per game rank. What do you think? Right around 80. I yeah, 75. Yeah. It just How does, does it, a team win that many games running the ball so poorly on the ground? And there are many Iowa fans that think to themselves, how many more games would we have won if we were just rushing the ball better? This is a team that, you know, we're kind of going global here, but this is a team that always plays good defense. This is a team yep. that always plays good special teams. It doesn't <clears throat> turn the ball over, but it forces turnovers. It's almost like it does everything right. Except the offensive side of the ball. I mean, I can't, I can't get away from that. So I know it's like run and stop the run. That's what, what that's what you do to win football games, right? Yep, yep. And how do they win so many football games? And the other thing that's crazy about it is, I believe Iowa could have the exact same rushing stats for ten years in a row. And when I turn into you know an ESPN game and Beth Mullins is doing the job, doing the game, she's gonna be like, "Well, we." 
know that Iowa wants to run the ball. I mean, it's just, it's always going to be what they say. Kirk Ferentz was, you know. Right. And it's like, but it almost would be like if somebody's like, just threw a monkey wrench in there and said, wow, what would be crazy if Iowa could actually start running the ball, you know, here. So looking at it from a last year point of view, okay, mm-hmm. one thing that definitely played into um, the the overall offensive stats and even more so maybe for the rushing stats, Iowa played Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan. I mean, sure. there were even Iowa State was a really good team against the rush at the beginning of the year. They had some injuries. My point is, is there was a lot of tough, specific rushing attack yeah. teams that they went against last year. The other side of it is, you know, the old joke is, well, it's just the left guard, right? It's just sure. the right guard or whatever. I myself, and I think Darren the American, also guilty of just saying, we we started losing guards in camp before the year even started. Right. Well, we got offensive linemen for days. Could never Come catch up. Come to find up. out, when you lose a guard when you're on the interior part of your line, it makes a big old difference to the rushing attack and therefore the entire offense. I'm telling you, man, that whole thing came down to guard play last yes. year. Oh, I mean, it was really ugly at the guard position for a long time. For four or five weeks, we're yes. talking. Um and they happen to go against Michigan and Penn State in that yeah. time as well. Two front sevens that you don't want to be, you know, have issues with the rushing attack. By the end of the year, they started to shore up the offensive line, got healthy, beat Minnesota, beat Nebraska, and then beat the brakes, and beat off, the of brakes off of USC and really kind of started moving the ball. Another thing to point out, this is, you know, a little bit deep level stuff with Iowa. Brian Ferentz, who I think at this point you could say is an embattled Brian Ferentz. I think that's fair you think that's, to say. Yeah, that's probably fair. Some of the battle he's brought on himself. Yep. Um, he has, <clears throat> I, I like to think, made some growing, you know, he's grown a little bit on the offseason. Uh, hopefully that's in a maturity level. And then the next thing would be nuances in play calling. Now, what the okay. rumor is, is a lot of the stuff that you saw in the bowl game versus USA, the Holiday Bowl, where they brought misdirection wide, wide receivers there you go. coming across the field. Yep. Oh, yep. And it worked. Oh, USC it worked. was not even remotely prepared for that. No, and they weren't. was a huge reason why we blew their doors off. Do I think it's going to be a completely, you know, completely different looking Iowa offense this year? No, I think that would be going crazy if I said that. But I am expecting some wrinkles to look a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, with the with the weapons you have at the wide receiver position, I don't know why you wouldn't do this, because to me and and you correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember an Iowa receiver group being this good and deep. I think I mean, there are pockets of receivers over the years. I mean, I'm going back even to the Fry area, Fry era where there was there were some darn good wide receivers. Sure, but I don't remember going no. four deep that were this good because I, you got the Smith brothers, you got Nico Regani, you got Tyrone Tracy, and then also throwing tight end Tam, Sam Laporta. Right, who was really who coming on at the end of the year. At the end of the year. Yep. So we are talking five really good receivers and oh by the way, they throw to their running backs too and their running backs did a yep. great job by the end of the year catching the ball. I I can't remember. I wish I could give him credit right now, but somebody that uh, it's not it's not Dustin, but somebody that that uh, uh, tweets and writes about 
the Big Ten, he, he had his top five best-kept secrets in the Big Ten, okay. and I think one or two was the playmakers for the Iowa offense. Sure. It's it's kind of funny to listen to a couple other teams, maybe even in the own division, think that there's nobody in this division that comes close to the receivers they have. I, you know, I'm looking at you, Purdue and Minnesota. You do have really good receivers. Oh, I think so. I, but I'll, I'll like one-two punch, Minnesota with Bateman back, and especially Purdue. The one-two punch with Purdue off the charts. Purdue's don't. got a better receiving group than Iowa. Okay, I don't think Minnesota does. And but I'm gonna go you, with n- Iowa. But now, if Minnesota. you go three, four, five deep, that's why I'm saying. Like, but even against Purdue, lots of good receivers. Ah, but they've there. got they do. They recruited so well at that position in the last few years. But you can at least have the argument with anybody in the division because I'm not gonna put them up against uh, Ohio State. Ohio State, no. to me, off the charts to everybody. But but Again, they also don't have a Bateman. They don't have a David Bell. They don't have a Rondell Moore. They they do not have a Bateman. They do not have a Bell. Right. I will give that to you. With that being said, Amir Smith Marset is a take your, the top off the defense. Yeah, he's guy. fantastic. He's a, he's he's undervalued. Yep. Brand another part of the offense that went down last year that caused issues was Brandon Smith. That's true. I for, and went, I forget about that when he went out. It, it all happened at the same time. Health is going to be a big con- uh, concern any year at Iowa because this isn't a team that goes, you know, 20, 25 people deep with four and five star athletes at these positions. So, but there's a lot there, I think, is what we're getting to. Then, in before we get to, we'll, we'll, we'll end with quarterback, but uh, Tyler Goodson was, again, another guy that wasn't there at the beginning of the year and right. even a, a big chunk of the middle of the year. By the end of the year, there was absolutely he was the no, clear number one, absolutely clear yes. number one, and you still got Makai Sargent. For and I and I like Makai Sargent, both Tyler Goodson and Makai Sargent on the Dolk Walker list. Um, but I'm uh, uh, I'm telling you right now, a name to look out for, and maybe this I don't know. I just really like this guy, Ivory Kelly Martin, is a really okay. good. Yep. So we've got the pair and a spare. I think it's possible that Makai Sargent could wind up being the spare. I, I just. Ivory Kelly Martin's got a little little burst, sure. is what I'm saying. So, um, offensive line, okay. So Tristan Wirfs is literally manhandling people in the NFL right now. You you you, you don't just lose a guy like that and get over. It. But I'm telling you right now, if okay, if I'm if you are comparing the middle of the year offensive line with Tristan Wirfs to the offensive line that I think Iowa will roll out the first week of the year. I think this has the potential to be a better offensive line, you know, we left got, or right. You got a Larrick Jackson left tackle, four-year starter, right? Then you got another four-year starter and Coy Crock coming over from the Indiana Hoosiers. Correct. So he's not listed as a starter, but, you know, he's he's played 40-some games for the Hoosier. Tyler Linderbaum, one of the best centers in the country. And you got a returner at right guard, Kyla Schott. So, I mean, yep. pl- plenty of experience here. I agree with you. No and reason they shouldn't have an excellent line from from day, as from long as they stay healthy. Justin Brett too. I want to definitely <laughs> throw in there. I think he's going to wind up being a starter, extremely athletic guard. So there's pieces here. We got running backs. We got wide receivers. I believe the offensive line. So what's the last position we haven't talked about? Yeah, we haven't talked about the quarterback. And I don't know. I think I'm hearing that Petrus is maybe a, in a little bit different mold than what we've been seeing out of Iowa quarterbacks. A little bit more. In the run game, maybe? Can he, does he have a little more wheels than we're used to? Yeah. I mean, if we're setting the bar very low, low at well, Nate Stanley. Yeah, uh, I mean, other than quarterback. Will he be obviously. more than a statue? 
I think he'll be more of a statue, but more I, than a statue. More than a statue. I, I, we don't want to be more of a statue. <laughs> no, we right. want it to be good point. So less of a statue. We want to be less of a statue. Uh, yes, I believe he will be less statuesque. Now, I don't want to say, you know, on the grand scheme of Nate Stanley to Michael Vick in the statuesque scale, okay. he's closer to Stanley. Than okay. he, but, but yes, I think he has the ability maybe to do that. Now, here's the interesting thing I want to point out. Okay, for the last three years, I have been told that Nate Stanley was average, mediocre, average, bad, average, mediocre. Okay. Now all I'm hearing is, wow. How are they going to replace how, Nate how can they replace Nate Stanley? <laughs> Dude, am I being an Iowa fan or do, do I have something to complain no, about? No, you, you have something it's, to complain it's about. It's insane there. to me. So, I mean, if if I'm going to play yeah. into, you know, the Nate Stanley was just pretty good. I mean, he got drafted by the Vikings. He's on the practice squad. It wasn't like he made the roster. I think Petrus can be as good as Stanley from I mean, day one. I, I don't. When was the last time they had a bad quarterback? It was that guy that transferred to Michigan, right? And Rudak wasn't, I wouldn't call him bad. He yeah, just, he just wasn't was as... kind of blah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Jake Christensen for about six games. Okay. They, he was pretty of, bad. He was horrible. <laughs> Other than that, Iowa never has an elite quarterback. From Lockport, Illinois. Did you know that? Lockport, Illinois. Yeah. I remember, I remember Illinois. I, outside of Brad Banks, in the you know in the Ferentz era, Ferentz era specifically, because you go back in the Fry era, we got quarterbacks there. But in the in the Ferentz era, never been a elite quarterback other than Banks for one year. Yeah, never really me- like mediocre. Can Peters just be a little bit higher up in the scale? Well, that's what I'm hoping because you got this nice receiver group. We think Laporta is going to take a next step as a tight end. So here's what I want, and this may be a little stupid. I don't care. I want him to throw the ball to set up the run, to improve the run game. That's what I'm asking for out of the Iowa Hawkeyes this year. Any Iowa fans listening to this right now, that's the Illini fan saying what a lot of Iowa fans have been saying for years. Now, there are some defensive fronts that you should be able to impose your will on them and run the ball. You go do that. But there are definitely times when that has to happen. One of the things that would help with that is the accuracy out of the quarterback. It, it was missing at times. Sure. Stanley. Like, yeah. Nate Stanley had two things that he did extremely well. He Quarterback sneaks, which were oh, yeah. literally pop. off the charts. Incredible. And that dude could run a, could throw a seam route. Like, I've never seen anybody's yeah. business. It was, I mean, he had a howitzer. But then passes down the field, even kind of some of the touch passes, it was not there. If Petrus can just be a little bit better on the touch passes and the downfield throwing. Sure. That makes a gigantic difference for the offense to open things up. So. Well, and, you know, as a first-year starter, he's got a lot of experience around him, so that, that should help him too. With that being said, all that exciting stuff we talked about, when Iowa takes the offense for the first time this year, I'm going to be like, oh, God. Because <laughs> it's just it's ironed into my soul. It's, it's, it's almost like when I just turn on an Illinois game. <laughs> That's that's sad. That's sad. <laughs> Anyways, I you know, there seems to be a quiet confidence about this group, and mm. I think there's reason to be. We will see how it goes. All right, switching over to the other side of the ball. These are a little bit more fun stats to go over. Total defense, 12th in the entire country, 308 yards per game. Scoring defense, 5th at 14 points per game. They got seven returning starters off of that defense. So 
So you're going with seven. I'm going to go with seven. Give me your seven. Okay. You, you, you want me to list the seven? I want you to list the seven. Okay. I'm going to go Chauncey Golson. Yes. I'm I'm listing Davion Nixon as well, a returning starter. But he was a he was a depth guy. I know he played a lot. He played a lot. I mean, this is as as ret- not starter ret- you know returning experiences you can about get for okay. a defensive All line. All right. Uh, Nick Neiman. Yes. Matt Hankins. Yes. Jack Corner. Yes. Dane Belton was the definite starter by the end of the yeah, year. Yeah. Okay, he was last year. Um, and then, um, I mean, I know Riley Moss played a lot and Riley, I mean, and then between Riley Moss, Austin Schulte, I mean, Joel Evans played. Oh, well, here's one for you. Okay. Kayvon Merriweather was the starter. Yeah, but I can't, no, I wouldn't list him. I mean, he didn't play the rest of the year. No, just week one. Right. You could talk me into six. My point is, um, uh, Athlon had it down to five. That's too low. I would definitely go one higher than that. Maybe even two at seven. I maybe cheated up a little bit. Okay, because we we lose Jamon Colbert. Jamon Colbert. Jamon. So, yeah, Jamon Colbert is gone. That was part of the reason why we we were going to do Iowa Illinois right out of the bat, but I had heard rumblings that Jamon was not going to be on the team, so I wanted to uh, give us a little bit of time. And sure enough, that that's what happened. Anytime you lose a starter on any part of the team, right? It's a loss. Now, with that being said, if if two weeks ago, three weeks ago, you said, okay, returning starter in the entire offensive defense, who would you pick to lose at, at the be- before the beginning of the year? Jaimon might have been the guy. Really? That, yeah, I, w- huh. I would have chose. So okay. there's two reasons. I mean, Jaimon was, he was spotty last year. Good, but okay. I mean, he was, he was pretty good, okay? We pretty much are running a four-two-five now. We call it it's yeah. a cash position. All right, and and it is the belief of Iowa fans that we not only have two good linebackers ready to to play. Okay, there's actually three or four. So um, by the end of the year last year, Nick Neiman was one of the most best playmaking linebackers on the team. Brother is playing quite a bit for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs right now. Um, uh, and then a name to watch out for is Jack Campbell. Yeah. Iowa raised sure. just a beast. Um, so at I'll, one point they thought he was going to grow into being on the defensive line. I mean, he's six, five, but okay. he, uh, the, the word out of camp is he is just absolutely a monster too big and talented to keep off of the field. Iowa fans feel like they've got, Two really good linebackers. Well, right and there. so Dylan Doyle had been slated to start. He entered the transfer portal. So Jack Campbell slides right into his position. Yep. And we got Barrington Wade also there for he's going to be more of the cash position. Oh, by the way, Justin Jacobs, a guy that they wrestled away from Ohio State. This was a pretty sure. high four star recruit. This. Yeah. So can you see where some of the confidence sure. is coming yeah. from? Like yeah. we're, we just listed but off four or five linebackers. Do you feel good enough about the defensive line? Okay, that they let's can switch step right to in. the defensive line. Um, I was kind of going there and we just, you know, kind of went off. Um, you know, maybe at the end of all these team breakdowns, I'm going to list off the t- the players that leave the biggest void in the entire conference. AJ Epinesa is oh, in the team picture for how big of a loss that is for Iowa. Huge void, and I've said this many times on the cast. He got better the bigger the stage got. The Absolutely. bigger the play got, the more important the drive was, the better he got. So it's it is, versus Minnesota at Nebraska. Like we need a stop. He, he got there. I don't. He got home. I don't know how else to so say it. So Vince Lombardi, 
used to say of Paul Horning, that he was an average running back between the 20s. But once you got inside the 20, he was the best in the league. That's how I felt about A.J. Epinesa. It's a great comparison, and he will be sorely missed. So a lot of what I think we're talking about, though, is coming from the pass rush. Because A.J. was good against the run. Don't get me wrong, but it was was not a strong point. You know the rushing sure. attack. I mean, he was he was good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to talk it down. Um, so I do think the rush defense will be just fine. Mm-hmm. Getting to the quarterback is what I'm most. Nervous That's a about. concern I have as well. So Chauncey Golston. I mean, but then I've looked at other defensive lines around the league. Yeah, and then I start feeling a little bit a little better yeah. better yes. about Iowa's defensive line because it'll come from somewhere. Well, and then, I mean, just doing a one-two punch. If you did two defensive ends, a defensive end, a defensive tackle, right? Like, you just went around the league. Sure. The one-two punch of Chauncey Golston and Davion Nixon is very good. It's very good, yeah. And they're going to switch those guys around. They're going to switch Davion Nixon out to defensive end sometimes Mm. because he's that athletic of a defensive tackle. Joe Evans is – he's not going to be your everyday, you know, beat-em-up guy, but that dude – He's got moves. He's, he's a try-hard guy, but he, he gets to the and quarterback. And I was surprised to see Evans slated as a starter as opposed to Wagner. I thought Wagner yeah. might might get the nod there. And I am not. I think Joe Evans will be more spot. It's going to be more of a, you know, passing teams, passing downs type. Okay. Of I mean, he's we're, it's a defensive line, right? It's going to be a huge rotation. But, yeah, John Wagner, Noah Shannon, Logan League. They brought uh, Zach Van Valkenberg over. I mean, we got we got bodies there to rotate around into what the linebacker crew that we kind of already talked about. Uh, then you switch over to the defensive backs. Um, you know, Athlon didn't even list one Iowa defensive back in the first and second team defenses for the for the Big Ten for the Big Ten. Um, I can't tell you the last time there has yeah, been a big an all Big be... Ten team that does not have. Correct. It's typically a first team. Iowa defensive back and sometimes it's the best defensive back in the I think there's a straight slight there against against Iowa defensive back I believe Jack Corner the free safety is their leading returning tackler you got Matt Hankins really solid one cornerback Riley Moss played a ton last year did a pretty good job we already talked about Dane Belton then you go to the bench you got Julius Brents uh Kayvon Merriweather and Dallas Craddeth all big names back there so I think I don't know. Maybe you don't have a, like a first or second team guy, but the depth here, I really like. Okay. I mean, I think overall that breakdown is fair enough. I mean, I think they got three solid safeties and three or four solid corners, which is what you need. You need you yep. need depth, but they got it. The name that so Matt Hankins would be a definite guess for who would wind up on the first and second team All Big Ten. Yeah. But to me, I'm telling you, by the end of the year. Um, um, did I, Matt Hankins? I don't know if I yep, said Matt it. Okay. Hankins, okay. Yep. By the end of the year, it's Dane Belton to me. You and think he was, so? Uh, okay. From what I saw out of him, the guy is just a football player. I'm expecting big things out of him. Long story short, this is going to be a good Iowa defense. I well, yes. I mean, it's it may take a step back from last year. It's never you're never gonna get a bad Iowa defense. But I I will say I don't think we'll see the defense we saw. Last year. Or even the year before. 2018's Correct. defense was in really a very good defense. I, I, I do agree. I think it will take a step back. But if we're talking about, you know, a step back from being 12th in the country sure. in total defense to 
20 seconds? Yeah, right. Just stay in the top 25 to 30. And that's still a pretty good And you've got defense, a pretty good right? looking offense. So, so maybe yeah. just lean a little more on the offense this year than okay. normally, a little less on the defense than you normally do. Then I'm going to talk about the specialist. Yes. All right. <laughs> I know. I'm kind of. Keith Duncan is best the best kicker, kicker in the country. In the country. Um, and also a hilarious follow on Twitter. Just yeah, hilarious. he is pretty he's good. Got, he's got a lot of personality. Really like him. Um, got the going the uh, Australia punter out again this year. Yep. And then Athlon All American, right? All Americans. First team for kicker Keith Duncan preseason. Makes first sense. team returner. I'm your Smith right side. Correct. Wow. No kidding. So is it fair to say this might be the best special teams unit? In the entire Big Ten, if do you not think, the country? Do you think those two guys together, Duncan and Smith-Marset, equal one Blake Hayes? <laughs> that is a debate for... We'll we could take... be talking 20 years from now about that. <laughs> but if you threw Blake Hayes, the punter, into... Oh, Iowa, good Lord. Could you imagine could that? Blake Hayes, the punter, Keith Duncan, the kicker, and, Iver, and Amir Smith-Marset, the returner. Okay. We're going to trade you Blake Hayes, and we want – wait, no, because I would want Amir Smith-Marset. No, Boy, this is going to be tough. Up. Yeah, you have to think. we'll have to maybe think about that offline. Yeah. But um, All right, so going over the uh, schedule. So, again, breaking this up into, you know, four-game schedule, first four, last four. So, you know, looking at some of the other teams in uh, the West, I, I wouldn't make this the, the hardest schedule – but it's definitely not the easiest. Now, the thing that I like about it is we have a young quarterback, right? Who do we start out with? Yeah. Purdue and Northwestern. Yep. Am I saying that Purdue and Northwestern are easy wins? No, but they're I'm more they're two of the more manageable teams on the schedule. I mean, if you literally have to to choose who you're gonna play first, right. that's that's who I would choose. So. And then you ease into Michigan State. So But then it's it I don't think I'm a hot colored glasses person when I say I, I would expect three and zero, or two, no yeah. worse than two and one. No, two and one. Anything le- le- worse than two and one would be very disappointing. But very disappointing. I would expect three and zero. Okay, I mean, I think if they win the first game, they'll be favored in the second and the third. I mean, those are three games right now that Vegas would say Iowa's favored. Yes, in. we already know actually that Iowa's favored over Purdue the first week of the year. Then the big game, uh, Minnesota for the fourth game of the year. That's going to be a Friday night game. Um, not exactly sure why they held on to that, but they did. So that's a huge game of the year. Then you turn around, you get to the second half of the schedule. Boom. Right at Penn state. Then a quasi rivalry, Nebraska, Illinois, and then finish off the year with the Wisconsin Badgers. So, um, I think it's fair to say that it's backloaded for the schedule for sure. Um, but yet not unmanageable, with any team on there. Now, they're definitely not going to be favored versus Penn State. For sure. Right now, they would not Probably. be favored versus Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Nope. So, Minnesota would be close. I think it would be close. Yeah, I they, think Minnesota would be favored. Minnesota pro, uh, very, Minnesota would be favored. Yes. Very very thin line. So, you're, if you're going straight Vegas, they're 5-3. and three. Correct. Yeah. Is that fair to say? It is. Which is interesting because their over-under is 5. Okay. And now that's out of a nine-game schedule. So... Because oh right, it's interesting. Now you know a, a a team that you would expect them to play. I'm you know I'm just throwing this out there, but would be Michigan for the ninth game of the year if they're going to do the matchup thing. Sure. So I think basically what we're saying is Vegas setting the over under at five. 
pretty much agrees with what we're saying. Yeah. Right here. Fair right. to say. Okay. Biggest game of the year. I'm interested to see what you say. I mean, this one, I didn't have to think very hard about it. It's just Wisconsin until they beat them. Okay. I'm sorry. It's just okay. Wisconsin. I All know right. it's not, you know, technically a rivalry game like, you know, like the pig game versus Minnesota, but it's a rivalry game. So I'm kind of doing the, you know, I'm taking a, you know, approach a little bit on this other side of the table here. Okay. But I'm I'm not going to argue with Wisconsin. I want Wisconsin to be the biggest game of the year. Yep. I'm getting crazy. I'm saying Minnesota. Okay. I mean, I don't blame you. I, I, I definitely think that's the second biggest game of the year. Um, what I, what I could be getting at is this. All right. Wisconsin, they've got a pretty tough draw on the other side. Okay. With um, uh, Michigan and Indiana. So it's potential that Wisconsin could have, you know, a couple extra losses in there than what we're used to them being. Mm-hmm. If I was able to go four and all right to start the year with a big win versus Minnesota, oh, gosh, that be could huge. be, you know, that could, that could be the win that catapults them to the rest of the year. Even with that extremely tough game versus Penn state. Right. I'm just saying like the overall, you could look back on the schedule and say, wow, that Minnesota game was huge, especially with us thinking that Minnesota is going to be a pretty good team. You know, I'm I'm back to the first three games, the five, five over under, and you're thinking they're probably win that first three. Hmm. And then they only got to win two games yeah. the rest of the year just to get to a just push. push. Kind of crazy. That is kind of crazy. I think essentially what they're thinking is we could see Iowa beating one of those teams that they shouldn't. Right. We can see Iowa losing to one right. of those teams that they shouldn't. And then it equals out to five. I mean, I okay. think that's honestly what they think. Well, Minnesota, I don't I don't blame you for picking that one. That's going to be a, be a big one because y- you've got a target on you from the Minnesota program, there from is, the Minnesota fans. There is no doubt that's about the, it. That's, I mean, they beat Wisconsin a couple years ago. Yeah, we lost them last year, but they haven't beat Iowa in a while. They want to I mean, beat I, Iowa. I think we got two targets on our back. Five in a row versus Minnesota. Yep. Five in a row versus Nebraska. Yep. Five in a row versus Iowa State. Don't get a chance to play them this year. So, yeah, those are three fan bases sure. that they're pretty sick of losing to the Hawks yep. right now. So they and got that's the- a stepping stone for both of those programs to get to a higher level Absolutely. that they obviously want to get. So, yep. I, I, by the way, I'm, that's that, how many freaking rivalries can Iowa have? Nebraska has essentially zero, you know, by them. Iowa has three or four. Yeah. It's kind of insane. It, it's it a is lot of rivalry. It's an emotionally exhausting <laughs> freaking situation all the time. Yes. Um, by the way, let me bring that up at the end of the podcast. Um, scariest game of the year. You go ahead. I'm kind of curious what you got. Okay. I am going with the Illinois fighting Illini. Oh, okay. That is my scariest game. First of all, it's a little trappy. You got Nebraska before them. You got Wisconsin after them. We already did the Illinois preview. Illinois is one of those teams that's dangerous. I I said it last year. I ended up being right last year. I'm going to say it again this year. They're going to beat someone that you're not expecting them to beat because they have experience, they have age. If you look at the returning experience, Iowa, 82nd in the country. Illinois, 14th in the country. If you look at team talent by 24-7 composite rankings, I know it's a lot of transfers that, you know, if you're a four-star, you transfer. You're probably not really a four-star, but if you go by the rankings, Illinois, 10th in the the conference, Iowa, 11th. It's You brought up great points. Fantastic. Points. I like I like Illinois. I've got a four I've got a four team tie. Okay. For scariest game. <laughs> and I know I, I know I'm looking at this as an Iowa fan, but hear me out. You just did Illinois. So Illinois is one of the four okay. team scary. Okay. Nebraska's a scary 
game. They, they play yes. they before they play Illinois. They they play Nebraska, and that's right after Penn State. That's a scary game for them. Yeah, I mean, you and know, it's going to be a game that's going to have a ton of emotion on it, especially right. after the aforementioned Keith Duncan. You know, did smoochy kisses to the to the, the. So yeah, that's another target right there. Yeah, first game of the year, Purdue. Yeah, you you the okay. I was only a three-point favorite right sure. now versus what is many people think to be still kind of a rebu- rebuilding Purdue game or Purdue team. If you lose the first game of the year, yeah, that's pretty freaking scary. That is pretty freaking scary. <laughs> and then who do you play next? Freaking Northwestern. Yeah. And, and you can fits- never count on anything against those guys. So you pick one of those four games out of a hat. You went with Illinois. I like Illinois. We can go with Illinois. And honestly, it, my gut tells me the scariest game is Purdue the first okay. game, first game of the year? But. I get it. And the other thing, here's another target for you. What happened the last time that the Hawkeyes went to Champaign? Uh, absolutely murdered Illinois. I only watched one quarter, but yeah. I heard it was really bad. Sixty-three to nothing was the final there. Yeah. So there, and I and I saw a lot of fight by Illinois last year, and there was a lot of chatter by the Illinois players. Oh yeah, because of that score. And you remember? I don't think I don't think Iowa ran the score up in that game they just no they just couldn't help themselves i mean illinois was just shooting themselves in the foot yeah. with the machine gun but last year if you remember the game last year in iowa city illinois was hitting hard was i mean a, that was a physical extremely hard hitting game <laughs> yes absolutely so like i said i didn't i didn't besmirch your pick as illinois for scariest game of the year it's yep. it's absolutely so with that being said um all of a sudden me and you started doing the schedule you know, uh, schedule uh, calendar against the Big Ten schedule, and we're like, "Yikes, we got to pick up the speed here." Yeah, we do, and get some podcasts out. So you guys are gonna love it. I hope we're gonna be spitting out podcasts here like freaking chicklets. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, we're we're just over a week away from Big Ten football starting, which means for me, Iowa football starting. I'm dead serious when I say this. This has been such a shitty year. I don't know if I'm emotionally ready to watch, <laughs> like. It's it's going to be hard. Like, obviously, I want Big Ten football to start, but, like... I'm ready for it. I don't it, know man. how much I got left in the tank. Yeah, to... I mean... Well, yeah, it's been a shitty year. There's no... <laughs> All-time shitty year. I mean, not just for the really is. stuff, just... So, dude, like, I'm going to be ready to go. Don't get me wrong, but, man, I could really go for some Iowa wins here. Pretty <laughs> Well, sure. I mean, wins will make that feel a lot better real quick yes it would yeah so anyway we got five more previews after this five more teams five more teams two previews five teams okay two episodes but five teams yep then we've got our picks episode for the year doing all our picks for the year yep and then we got a preview the upcoming games that start a week from tomorrow so we got we got four pods in less than two weeks and then one of the and with the fourth one being breaking down live football right it's coming Fantastic. Huh? Yeah. All right. I am Jeffrey the Great. And I am Big Kurt. This is the Eyes on Big Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you pretty darn soon. <laughs> <laughs>